is the three-point shot. And we're back with another episode of the three-point shot. Zach, Ben, Colin, all here. Thanks for joining us. It has been a crazy week. We're all pretty tired, but we like to take this time every week, sit around our table, and for the last time uh, together, I guess, the, the three of us will be here. Uh, we can enjoy it and uh, kind of recap our week with this podcast. And it was a busy week in sports. Guys, how we doing? Uh, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I love any week the Terps win, especially a big... Uh... I don't know if you can necessarily call it a statement win with the way Penn State's been playing, but uh, I'm going to take what they give me, and I'm going to call it a big statement win over Penn State uh, this past weekend. Uh, they look real good, uh, honestly. It, they look better and better every week. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I don't think they're going to really make all too much noise coming down the later season, but they've definitely given me more hope than I had at the beginning of the year. And especially more hope than I had after Northwestern. I mean, after Northwestern, <laughs> we're not gonna we're not gonna play what we said. I was gonna say pull up the old clips. But uh, you're more than welcome to go back, and you will realize that we said some not so kind things. But Terps have stepped up. You have to acknowledge. And I was talking to some other people about that this weekend. The you whole talk to other people. How dare you? The whole Penn State thing, uh, being that we beat Penn State, but they're not a good team this year. It's a COVID season. They had guys who opted out, but so did we. But look, I know there was no fans, and winning in Happy Valley is hard, but we beat Penn State, which is something that in our time in college, we're seniors, we have not been able to score a touchdown against them. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it was a super impressive display by, uh, by the offense and the defense there. I mean... Um, because I have to say something negative, because as a, as a sports fan, I feel broken if I'm too positive. Uh, you're probably not going to get Rakeem Jarrett busting open 50-plus yard touchdowns on the exact same play twice in a game, every game. Uh, eventually, somebody's going to stop it. But, uh, you know, I think the whole offense looked good. Jake Funk is continuing his coming out party. Talia is looking sharper and sharper each week. He definitely is... His pocket presence, uh, his, his deep ball is a little shaky, but, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think if you can really establish the run, you can get the offense going early, and you don't fall behind super early like we did in Northwestern. He stops trying to take those deep throws, and you can play short, medium-range football and let Jake Funk run all over him, let, let Penny Boone uh, <laughs> throw that big body around behind the line there and really just pound up on the on the uh, defensive line. And, you know, speaking of defense, defense played a heck of a game too. Really got to the quarterback a couple of times. Chance Campbell had a game. Yeah. He had a, uh, that scoop and score. I mean, it was uh... – Took the ball away a couple of times. It was a, it was a, it was a heck of a game. It was good. And they were playing for something too. We found out after the game, Latez Rogers, uh, he wasn't in the game. His mom passed away uh, um, just before. Yeah, so it was, it was pretty sad and obviously the best to him. But uh, – when you got something to play behind, a guy like Chance Campbell stepping up for, for his fellow uh, defensive lineman there, just uh, some really nice stuff. So so the Terps got a big win. How are we feeling going into Ohio State, though, Ben? Um, you're the Ohio State guy around here. I guess I am. Uh, well, I would have been feeling better, except that now that I have to watch it at my brother's house with at least two and probably four Ohio State fans. Um, so... I really need us to carry this momentum in. I need well, let me rephrase that. I need us to either carry this momentum in and win or get blown out so badly that I can just trash talk on like every first down and just be like, yeah, it's 57 nothing, but you can't stop Jake Funk on third and three. Freshman oh. year, when you are freshman year, 
three years ago when you flew out there. That was the game where the only offense we had was that Ty Johnson kick return, right? Yes, it was. I had, we had really, because my brother was in his senior year, so he had really good student section seats. So I was like pretty much on field level. And it was, I can't remember if it was 14 nothing or 7 nothing, but it, was, it, it looked like it could actually be an impact play of Johnson. He fielded it in the end zone right in front of me, cuts left, gets outside, and he's going up the sideline. And I don't know if you've ever been in a stadium with 110,000 people in angry silence and about, what's the roster that we travel with? Like 60 guys? 60, yeah, All right, 60 so let's say it's 109,000 really, really angry, silent people, a football team, and then one guy in a black Scott Zolak jersey jumping up and down, just losing his mind. And one of the people I was there with uh, I'll, I'll clean up the language because we're on Spotify. Uh, <laughs> one of the people looked at me and just said, you are going to get your butt kicked if this game gets close. And I just went, I'm willing to accept that. My, 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 every time I've been to two now since I started school here, I've been, I went our freshman year and I went last year. And both times when I'm flying out because my parents go too because most of my family now are Ohio State people, she always goes like, are you going to be like wearing your Maryland jersey? And I was like, mom, if you're worried, I'm going to get beat up. Let me explain this. Either we are so little of a threat that nobody's going to take the time to beat me up. Or we made a game of it and I will happily get beat up in exchange for that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we did not keep it close against Ohio State in any game except the one we don't talk about, which was well, two years ago. You know, I think Terps against Ohio State is really interesting. If, if you look back at it all three, because you get, you get our freshman year, you get that first game, and it was a game that Ohio State seemed, seemed like they were going to lose or die trying. They were turning the ball. They looked terrible, but Maryland just looked worse. It was, it was Bortenschlager's first start, if I remember correctly. Um, I believe that's correct. They had uh, The only things I remember from that game are Bortenschlager missing just like a few checkdowns. Of just like they were clearly just like, all right, get him in a rhythm, just sort of get the ball moving. And that didn't happen. And I remember there was some targeting call where the whole stadium was losing their mind. And I was like, yes, ref! Good call, ref! They're down a cornerback. We got him now. And that was the second time that uh, the group I was with was either worried or really hoping that I would get beat up. Yeah, I mean, so so that first game, you get the Bortenschlager game, and it's it's one of those nothing seemed to go right for Maryland. It was, uh, you know, you want to say the one injury they can overcome, but, you know, you don't know what they would have been. <laughs> you, you don't know what those Terps were going to be able to ramp up to after that that Texas win going into UCF when you lose Kasim there. Um, That's so, national champions that year, UCF. They were. They were. They should have been in the playoff. Uh, Rob, that they weren't. They would have gotten waxed. They, they would have gotten waxed, but they deserve to be there. Um, yes, yeah. And then you look at that next year, and you obviously you get the uh, the really close game that was similarly terrible, but in just the sense that neither defense decided they wanted to play, where, you know, kind of similarly to the Penn State game, where it just seemed like Ohio State had one play, that is to say McFarland run to the outside, just... They couldn't stop. Um, that one came down to the wire. Obviously, we lost. And then we got the 
quote unquote revenge game Ohio State oh, had. God, Ohio State's breaking out trick plays. They're calling timeouts to put up points at the end of the half. They're onside kicking to run up the score. Like, you know, you you get that kind of cosmic victory if they were burning trick plays to like run a train on Maryland when they probably could have saved those trick plays and used them, you know, <laughs> in the college football playoff where they would have needed them. Oh um, God, I'm so happy they burned that play against us. Yeah, I was really bad at the time. I think the 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 best things about last year's game were uh, I think the best text I got during that game was I got after that little trick onside kick. Because their whole sideline was pretty much out to the hash marks. And I just remember feeling my phone buzz in my pocket. And I pulled it out and it was just a text from Zach. And he just went, did they just get called for an unsportsmanlike penalty because they kicked onside? And I went, no, it's, it's because they were celebrating. But also, that game just confirmed for me that Ohio State fans are the most weirdly insecure powerhouse fans out there. They blamed us for getting Chase Young suspended. Yeah, Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, they, they, they'll take any excuse to beat up on... It's, it's honestly kind of embarrassing that a team that is routinely as good as they are will, like... Have some weird grudge because last year this team, this nobody team, had the audacity to compete with us. Like, <laughs> but it's not, it's not even just that. It's just like I was at that game, and just like as yeah, oh yeah. When I'm like I've interacted, I've been a Patriots fan my whole life, which is sort of a professional equivalent of being an Ohio State fan. I have interacted with other fans. I've interacted with you guys, and when we were really good. If one of you was, like, trash-talking us, I'm like, I don't have to care right now. Like, you can't say anything as a football fan that can hurt my feelings. As a Maryland fan, I should not be able to get a sincere negative reaction out of an Ohio State fan. And when I was in the... the, I was... Because I was sitting in the student section at Ohio State making, to use PG language again, a jack wagon of myself. And people were, like, not appreciating the spirit of it. I was just like, people were like talking smack and like when they scored they were looking at me and they were like, how does that taste? And I was like, it tastes the same as the last seven touchdowns you scored against us. Yeah. Like, I, I, you can't hurt me because I have already been numbed by Maryland football and I shouldn't be able to hurt you because you're going to be in the playoff in three months and our last game is going to be the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah, I mean, listen, I... You know, I hate him. I have an axe to grind with Penn. <laughs> I have an axe to grind with Penn State, and I hate him. Um, and I, I don't pretend to not hate him ever. So I will say that beating them last week was was truly just as sweet as it can be. My family back home is sending me newspaper clippings where they're calling the game an unmitigated disaster for Penn it State. Was, they're calling to fire the coach. They're calling to bench the interchangeable Penn State quarterback that won't make it in the NFL. Can you you tell me which one it is right now? I genuinely couldn't. Goddard? Goddard? Geetard? Did it start with a G? It starts with a C. uh, It had D's in it, didn't it? Yes. Think think big red dog. Clifford. Clifford, thank you. There we go. And that is our segment of Colin tries to sound out the Penn State quarterback this year. Uh, listen, they've had ones named McSorley, Hackenberg. They're really just... They've had the, the guy before Hackenberg, who I can't remember. Yeah, they're literally like just random name generators for their quarterback names. But, you know, I, I will say one thing in Penn State's defense when we look at uh, games they've run a train on Maryland. 
Penn State... The football team ran a train on Maryland the way you run a train on a team that you don't really like and you're mad at. You just play four full quarters no matter what the score is. They didn't run trick plays. They didn't do anything. They just didn't let up. As opposed to Ohio State, which is like kind of almost a pat on the back for Maryland that we got under their skin (laughs) that much where they're like, it's, it's, if we could bug them that much, that's kind of a win enough, because we're not going to beat I'm not them. Sure, I'm not sure how much <laughs> we bugged the actual team. Like, the onside kick and the timeouts at the end of the first half were weird, but it's possible that they were just sort of, like, trying stuff out or something, because they know we offer no threat. I think there was some of that. The fans, though, seemed completely... I mean, I guess they would know better than I would, because the fans all seemed really just sort of angry with us for having the audacity to compete, which is like... I get that you want to beat us down more now to just be like, last year was a fluke. You are not coming for our throne right now. But also, that doesn't make it a revenge game. That just makes it a game you want to play well in. Guys, Maryland is not playing any revenge games. or No one is playing any revenge games against Maryland until Penn State next, State next year. year. Yeah. That I was about to say, you Wait, could even... Minnesota next year. You yeah, but you could State. argue the it's way... Only, it's a revenge game for their kicker at the very least. You could argue the way that series has gone, though, that... It, this year them. was a revenge game for us because they beat us last year. Yeah, well, yeah I mean, we did. It comes revenge for them. It's See, a cycle of revenge. I mean, I don't think. I, I think really the only thing you could call a revenge game. I could honestly make the argument. I do feel like in a in a way, Maryland this year was a revenge game for absolutely kicking the tires off us last year. Um, but you know, when we're talking about other teams trying to come at us, I, you know, I don't. <laughs> I don't know enough about college football to say it, but the more and more I watch of Minnesota, the more and more I wonder if last year was kind of not a fluke, not a flash in the pan, but it was kind of that as a program playing well above where they traditionally play. Because you got to remember, this is a team that got beat by Max Bortenschlager. And then, like, it's, it's a team that's, like, two years off of getting undressed by Max Bortenschlager that is now, like, ranked and, like, arguing that we should be in the... They should be in the playoff, like are fighting for a position in the football playoffs. And then they come out this year and they, you know, they beat up on a team week one. I forget who they played. Michigan. Oh, they, they lost to Michigan week one. They, who'd they beat? They they beat Illinois They just, oh, it. so they were, okay. One and two now. Yeah, so it's, it's, I mean, Michigan doesn't look great either. Michigan but, is riding the struggle bus. We may have reached the end of the Harbaugh train. We definitely reached the end of the Harbaugh train. Well, we've been We're going to get to that later in the podcast. We've been saying that for five years. We're going to get to that later in the podcast. I mean, I would like to say, I mean, if we're kind of transitioning away from Maryland specifically and we're talking to the Big Ten, I, I'm i going to get aggressively knee-jerk because <laughs> you can the, this, the weirdest year that ever there was, is definitely the year to make long-standing uh, statements about the implications. <laughs> um but I think it really does kind of show a year where you're beginning to see more parity in the Big Ten that there may have been recently. You got, and again, I'm not saying Penn State is going to suck this bad in the future, but you see well, teams. Be great oh, I hope so much. <laughs> um, but you see teams like Penn State are struggling. Michigan State doesn't look super good. Michigan has looked shaky. Ohio State is still Ohio State. Give them that. But you got Maryland is kind of playing better than everybody thought they would. Northwestern is a huge surprise. Indiana, an incredible surprise. Rutgers even looks like a passable football team um, in the college. So it, it might be kind of, again, the beginning of these like underdogs that aren't Illinois in the Big Ten kind of beginning to put together programs that can kind of, at the very least, like 
compete within one another to kind of going from like Big Ten where it's like three or four A plus teams and everybody else is a D minus to like Ohio State and then a bunch of like B average teams. Well, that's the thing is like you've got to get for the Big Ten to be like one of the it's a power five conference. Don't get me wrong. But Ohio State and essentially Michigan have dominated Wisconsin a little bit. Ben shook his head no when I said well, maybe just Michigan. Michigan hasn't beaten Ohio State since 2012. There's the tiers. Ohio State is the only top tier team in the Big Ten. Yeah, they are head and shoulders above everything. Then it goes in terms of sustained like success. Years, yeah, so you've like got Michigan, Michigan, Michigan Wisconsin, State. Michigan State up there. Penn State, Penn State, State yeah. Definitely. And then below that is where you've got Minnesota. Yeah. And then below that and further down is where you've Nebraska. got Maryland. Northwestern Northwestern's had some sustained success over the past couple of years as well. They made it to the Big Ten Championship game a couple times. Northwestern is sort of like a, a, a smaller football version of Wisconsin because Wisconsin always they always do that graphic when Wisconsin's like number eight in the middle of November where it's like five-star recruits on the top ten teams. And it's always like five, ten, five, nobody higher than a three-star recruit. And I think sort of that, that Northwestern has done the same thing of like – I think Pat Fitzgerald's a really good coach, and I think they've ended up, as we saw the first week, with they almost always end up with a team that's like a lot more than the sum of its parts. Of course. Um, Absolutely. And Maryland, you know, you hope that they get there eventually. I mean, they've looked good these past two games, obviously with Rakim Jarrett, who's a five-star, and Tonga Vailoa, who was not, but he was a four-star, four yeah. and a four-star quarterback is all you can ask for. LeJean was a four-star too, right? Four yeah. Did he get any snaps against Penn State? I didn't watch the whole yeah. game. Uh, not that I saw, at the very yeah. least. I think he has one snap in the last two weeks. No, he he got more than one against Minnesota. He had a couple of gadget plays against yeah, but nothing. I mean, nothing like substantial. He hasn't, he hasn't played any. You just hope you don't lose him won. because of this. Because Tonga Vailoa, you know, assuming health, is going to be your quarterback again next year. It, you know, if you lose Lejean, you lose Lejean. Honestly, um, I mean, if you're in a if you're in a position where he's going to transfer, that means that either something else has gone right or so many other things have gone wrong. Yeah, because if he transfers because Talia has like firmly entrenched himself as the starter, which as of right now he has. Oh yeah, I, I think mean, these last two weeks absolutely. He's That's not. A, he's not. He's. I mean, I would no, say there's not a question anymore. He is now. He is now. Yeah. Yes. After after the first week, I would would have said he was one bad game away from being in serious jeopardy of losing his spot. Now I think he could play three bad games in a row, and it's still a discussion. Yeah, given I, that we're expecting a bad game, but like I said, a good game against this Ohio State team is what Rutgers did the other day. They put up over twenty points. If we yeah. can score two touchdowns and get a couple of good drives against Ohio State, that's a good thing. I'm not, I'm not a gambler, but if we can cover, I'll feel happy. What's the spread? I didn't even look. Uh, I'm assuming like. I was, 105. I was going to say it would be a lot uglier than it was after we beat Penn State. Uh, 26. Six hours ago, Ohio State opened 27-point favorites, oh, which so is what Penn State was uh, the other day. Yeah, but I think we can all agree that Ohio State is better than Penn State is. It did drop, though, to minus 26. So as of right now, I think so they're was, minus 26. My minus 26 and a half was right in that sweet spot. Yeah. yeah. Call me Gambler Ben. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, you know, I don't think anybody here at Maryland is really expecting to go out there and and beat Ohio State, but you want to make it a game, you know. It's yeah. this is one of this is a team that, you know, I don't particularly like them either, but this is another team that is almost certainly barring a collapse of some kind or maybe an ugly loss here where the team turns it off, very likely destined for the college football playoffs. Um, one of the best teams, Justin Fields, is looking like. Right. 
Well, he yes. Looks, he looks like Rango. Who was our quarterback last year for the Ohio State game? Was it Jackson? Probably. Yes. I mean, think about it. Tungavailoa is playing fearless football. We've seen that from the chances he's he taken. Needs, he needs a little bit more fear. But yeah, he's I'm not going to have Chase Young both feet planted right in front of you, and he's going to have more of a, a, a you know Ohio State team that is insane. But Chase Young was their biggest threat last year if you're a quarterback, oh, and now he's he gone. He wasn't there last year either. Play against, against us, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. I mean, the, yeah. I think the big thing to keep Ohio State competitive isn't going to be uh, the offense. It's going to be more in the defense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the big thing is, if you're looking for it, is Tag's got to not turn it over. And the offense in general just has to not turn it over. I think that's what you want. Ohio, don't get me wrong. Ohio State's got a great defense. But if you're looking at what side of the ball is really going to get blasted coming into next week, the defense trying to stop Justin Fields, who was looking... Not maybe runaway, but is looking like he very well might become a runaway Heisman favorite. Um, He's up there, yeah. Uh, it is. It is definitely an offense that is rolling. And not, they've they've looked stoppable for brief periods of the games I've watched. Of like Rutgers had them a few drives, moving backwards and getting them into third and longs. Um, but I think really, and I've been watching Ohio State fairly closely for like most of the past decade now and just like limiting the explosive plays and just slowing the game down, I think is really huge for us just because, I mean, they can go down and score on you without having a play longer than six yards on a drive. But what, what, what the huge thing to do is sort of keep that cap on of they're not breaking away for 25 yard runs every play and you don't have their wide receivers getting, in behind you, which is going to happen just yeah. because, unfortunately, I don't think the Maryland secondary is good enough to keep that from happening. Yeah. But limiting that, and if you can get pressure on the quarterback, I mean, he can run too. And I have a sinking feeling what we're going to see a lot of on Saturday, if we're able to get, is either him sitting back there and, you know, making sandwiches and writing notes uh, in the pocket before making his throw, or if we can get the pocket to collapse, he's going to step up, get out, and run for 15 yards. I mean, yeah, listen, I, I know nothing about uh, Mr. the Big Red Dog over at Penn State, but um, <laughs> I, he he was running all over this Maryland defense sometimes when he could worm his way out of the pocket sometimes. So, you know, I think, I, I mean, if you're the defense, I think the biggest issue that Maryland defense has is, is that they give up those chunk plays a little too much. I think they'll give up, you know, it, and I see it a lot when I'm watching the Eagles defense too, uh, to kind of begin moving it um, out of college football. But you see this, you know, two really good stops. You'll get them in third and long, third and medium and a half, third and medium proper. And then you'll just give up like a 15 yard pass because you play a little bit off coverage or you hit the quarterback a little too hard and he squirms out. And, you know, I, I think that's going to be the big issue for the defense is trying, trying to figure out how you manage keeping them contained but also not so contained that like you let guys get open because they're so good fields is mobile enough that if you rush him on every play he's going to get the ball out in time but you want to cover enough so you can't let him run it's it's a difficult task for the defense I will, I will say the one thing that I think can help Maryland compete in this game is the man in Columbus, Ohio, that I hired to go sneeze on the practice footballs. Um, so if he can do his job fully, we might have a chance here. Yeah. 
<laughs> I got nothing else on that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. A, that's a good joke to end on, I think, as we kind of... I mean, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I like what I've seen from Maryland football, but uh, I mean, football is just so weird this year. And this is where I kind of want to talk a little bit about like the college football playoff. Because like Ohio State, if they go undefeated, they run the table, win the Big Ten championship, yes, they should have an opportunity to be in. But then you're looking at Pac-12 teams that their season started this past weekend. Or like a team like Wisconsin that like already has had to forfeit, not forfeit, but had two games canceled because of COVID. Like should... Like, I'm should here. Big Ten teams like this have competition, or should the big, or should the college football playoff be between the Big Twelve, the SEC, and the ACC? I mean, unfortunately, you're looking at the uh, the UFC problem that we talked, or UCF problem rather, not not the rest, the oh, kickboxing, yeah, fighting yeah. We're looking at the the UCF problem that we uh, mentioned earlier is that ultimately, uh, <laughs> whatever gods that be that pick the college football playoff. Uh, it's just Condoleezza Rice. Yeah, it, they don't. They don't care how many games you played. They don't even necessarily care what your record is. Sometimes they're going to pick a team with a loss over a team that's undefeated purely because they think Georgia is better. And it's, um, you know, it, it'll be it'll be interesting. But I do think is really it's it's almost impossible to tell. You might find a team like Oregon that's going to go out there and run the table. But if they don't look like they're blowing out the other guy. There's always going to be that argument of Ohio State's had more sustained success over the... T- and you could even make the argument, do Big Ten teams even have a... Mixing it up with teams that have played... That's what I'm saying. Games. Like, it's, you're going to get... You need a Big Ten team to run the table and look good doing it. Which, so far, Ohio State's the only one that has. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's... Isn't Northwestern undefeated? They, they haven't looked as good doing it as Ohio State has. Indiana might be. Indiana. <laughs> Indi- no, Indiana no, looks good. I, you, you laugh at me, but Indiana has looked like the second best team in the Big Ten, honestly. That's they have, true, but hearing you say it out loud feels very weird. It felt wrong to say, but yeah, um, yeah I mean, you're going to run into that uh, UCF problem of sometimes the team with the best record or the team that, you know, played the best. Well, we won the game, so it doesn't matter how we looked. Football is is not going to get rewarded. You, you do need to kind of be that flashy player. And that's kind of the problem where you go to college football where people just kind of decide who the best four teams are as opposed to a thing like the NFL where, like, wins above everything else, you know. You could win every game, but if they look ugly, college football guys yeah. aren't going to aren't gonna give you yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, it, there's no real way to fix that in college football. Just too many teams. With, yeah, <laughs> there's too many teams. It's and impossible. The, and the disparity between them is so huge. Yeah. And also just sort of with the with the money involved in making individual matchups. Like you can't be like Ohio State, you have to go play at Chattanooga. Yeah, it's in a, ho- in a home and away. Um I will say that uh BYU and no- I guess Notre Dame's not an independent, but uh but BYU people are saying uh could sneak into the playoff. And then you got some weird small conference undefeateds like Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina is fun. The Shants are having a year. Are they still ranked? I think they still are, even though... Yeah, they're up there. Yeah. Oh, no, they're really good. Yeah. Coastal Carolina needs a statement win against, like, a team that matters. I don't think they get that. I'm going to... Yeah, let's look at their schedule. They're only playing teams from the Sun Belt. But, guys, Teal Turf. I was about to say, they play on Teal Turf, which is pretty awesome. Thank you for making my point. Is ultimately, (laughs) like, if I can say, yeah, Coastal Carolina's undefeated, but... Really? Okay. Uh, okay. And that's how they make the, the play. Look at this. Look at this. The rest of their schedule. Troy. Don't know Troy's record. Appalachian State. I will, I will, say, I will say Troy put up a very good fight 
against the Greeks, although there's been some roster turnover since then. Yeah, I'd say... Shout out to all my Iliad fans out there. <laughs> I mean, you've got App State, who I don't know their record this year. I beat Michigan 13 years ago. Yeah, and that's kind of their claim to fame and the reason they're an FBS team now. But, uh... I'm not complaining. I believe Liberty well, is undefeated. <laughs> yeah, Liberty is undefeated. Liberty is, is 4-0, and Coastal plays Liberty at the very end of the season. Uh, I'm not saying that will get you college football playoff. No, Could get you New Year's 6, though. No, I would love Coastal to wax them. Just, it, you play on teal turf. You've, you've won me over. You mean the 2016 NCAA Division I baseball champions, the Coastal oh, Carolina well, Chanticleers? I'm well-versed in that. They, there were apparently, I've, I've spent a lot of time around people who, who go to Coastal. Or went to Coastal, I guess, is more accurate. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, they're one of the coolest uh, mascot names you can have, the Chanticleers, second only to maybe Terrapins. But the color scheme is also great. Youngstown State. Youngstown State's the Penguins. Yeah, but, like, Penguins is just an animal. A ter- no one looks... You will never go outside and say, oh, look, a Chanticleer. Oh, look, a Terrapin. As but you will go... Fr- as opposed to frogs, because even if you don't know the word, you go out and you look at it and you go, that's a frog. That's in reference to a tweet I saw last week. I, I don't know who it was from, but it was like, whoever named frogs got it absolutely right. Those things are frogs. Oh, my goodness. And they are. It's, like, it's, it's automatopoeic. It feels like instead of a ribbit, what they actually say is just... Frog. That's my impression of a frog. Stay tuned next week where I do my impression of a giraffe. <laughs> do giraffes make noises? Right? Like, isn't that kind of the question? Yes, absolutely they do. Every animal It feels like noise. they should make awesome noises because there is so long between whatever their lungs and their mouth. So it feels like it should have a long time to build up. Also, giraffes would be a pretty good team name, I think. There is no, like, giraffes. Oh, oh, that would be a cool thing to talk about, is, like, the coolest mascot names, just in terms of, like, coolness. Like, the North Texas Mean Green. Uh, well, I like that they're the Mean Green just because they're also the alma mater of Mean Joe Green, and those two things are unrelated. Yeah, that's insane. The also, Arkansas School for the Deaf. Leopards. That is excellent. Yes, that is true, but we're talking college here. Um, uh, D1. I don't know that Arkansas School for I'm the Deaf is... Fighting I don't know if they're D1, I think though. Fighting banana slugs. It's, it's okay. just banana slugs. Is it? As a Quentin Tarantino expert, uh, I promise you it is just banana slugs. <laughs> I think. I'm going to check that right now. <laughs> and you've just lost a listener. All right. Me. So, so, to get away from college football here and change gears a little bit, I have Colin's annual His Dad Story of the Week. Um, I don't think annual means what you <clears throat> Weekly, uh, Colin His Dad Story. So... <laughs> This is going to be the story. So this isn't, this isn't a terrible take my dad had. This is just kind of a story of my dad and me of the time my dad and I accidentally destroyed a fantasy hockey league that has existed for most of my life. So my dad and his friends and his friends' friends had always run a hockey league. Um, and they had done it for years. And I had been like assistant GMing my dad's fantasy hockey team for a long time. So... You know, when one of my dad's friends suddenly kind of flakes out on the the league because the league has kind of been going downhill. There's been a couple of bad apples in the thing. They've just been kind of annoying. And um, people are starting to get fed up with it. He leaves. So my dad goes, well, you know, my son's been a, 
been really active in helping me build my fantasy team. You know, why don't we give him his own team if he's interested? And I was. So so they put me in and I moved the uh, I moved Pope's Kalamazoo Kangaroos to uh, Anchorage and I, I was ready to GM the Anchorage Albatross coming into the new season. Uh, and I was really excited. But when I joined the league, I, I was under the impression and my dad was under the impression at the time that we weren't going to say that I was my dad's son. Because the dudes that are in the league are the worst. Um, there's a couple of good ones. Um, talking about you, Bob, and the other one. Uh, but I'm sorry, I don't remember your name. Uh, we're name but, dropping now? <laughs> but, <laughs> well, apparently we're name dropping and also specifically not name dropping. Yeah, well, All no, right, Bob. But, well, Bob is, Bob is important because Bob runs the, the league here. Shout so, out to Bob. Uh, he's also my godfather, so ah. shout out, Bob. Uh do, but, um, do you give him the respect? Do you come to him on the day of his daughter's wedding and call him Godfather? I did not do that um, oh. for a, a number of different reasons. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> so, so I come into this league and my dad is under the league that we're not going to tell people I'm my dad's son because him and I are both afraid that if everybody else in the league knows, they're going to be like collusion, even though this league is famous for a couple of guys doing collusion. But um, so... I guess the league was kind of on its last leg already. And here I come into this league, and I'm in it, and they open trades. So my dad and I are talking, and we're kind of finessing the deals of the trade, and I kind of fleeced him. My dad, now, my dad will die on the hill if he had plans for what he was going to do. Because I was giving him some high-profile but high-salary players, because it was a salary cap league, and I was taking some decently high profile but pretty low cap players so he was he was going boomer bust and i was kind of trying to rebuild because let's be honest the team i inherited was bad and that's why he was leaving the league uh he was tired of it and was bad um so i was rebuilding and the day after i made that trade uh we found out that when bob had introduced me to everybody else in the league he had introduced me as my dad's son so when i come in and my first trade is with my dad um and it's one that clearly looks favorable to me on the surface without knowing what my dad intends to do. All these other guys in the league immediately run up to Bob and are like, Mark's colluding. It's collusion. He's fixing his son up to win the league so he can take the pot and win the money. And the commissioner, again, Bob, was so fed up with it. He was like, you know what? You know what? No league. Everybody go home. We're done. Uh, this is mid-season. No, this is before the season even started. They, they opened trades. There was a single trade, and then Bob said, you guys are too annoying. The league's done. Um, and it's over. And that is how... And that is how my dad and I accidentally brought down uh, his fantasy hockey league that had existed for most of my life. How? See, okay, I like fantasy football because it's easy. You set your lineup every week. You make your trades, it's fun, and you can follow it because football games are all played mostly on one day a week. I never played fantasy basketball, I never played fantasy hockey. I used to play fantasy baseball a lot. This year would have been great because it was only a 10-week season, not even, it's eight weeks. But like normally when I play fantasy baseball, the draft is so fun and the first few weeks is so fun, but by midsummer you get tired of it because you got to constantly make changes. Sports. Yeah, not football though. 
Oh, for me it is. So that's why I'm asking Colin, in fantasy hockey, like, you've got to constantly check that. Mm-hmm. How, are you, like, good with it? Is it not, like, is it really that fun? Like, is it worth it? I mean, so, you know, I'm not going to advocate for... Apparently not for those guys. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to... I'm not going to advocate for gambling money on a on a public forum because I don't want that to come back and bite me. But, um, you know, I played fantasy without money, and it's... I'll admit when you don't have money on the line and you're just doing it for pride, some weeks you kind of get slack. But it, it was it was just fun for me being able to manage lineups and like looking at hmm, guys on the waiver wire that could be like a um, a guy coming out of nowhere that you could yank off the waiver wire or whatever. And I would actually say more so than football with with hockey or it's a thing where players are going to play uneven games each week. With football, you just need to know who's on the bye and then you swap them with the dudes on your bench. But... With hockey in week and out week, you could have guys that play two games, guys that play four games. So there is that question at like the beginning of every week, like, do I go with the better player that plays three games or do I go with the worst player that plays five? I don't think traditionally hockey plays five games a week, but this is just an example. Um, and it, it's unsafe if they did. Yeah, it, it's it's just that fun kind of thing. At least for me, is I would do it, especially you know I'm a bad college student, so when I'm in my when I'm in my stat lecture and I'm just on my computer not paying attention as opposed to going on Reddit, I would just be like scrolling fantasy. I wasn't super into the numbers. Now I'll admit my dad's league was a keeper league. So they had, they gotcha. had my dad's league was a keeper league. So they had cap for players. So that required a little bit more math and a little bit more, but it was fun. I mean, it's, isn't all math fun? He said, speaking directly to his mom. I mean, it's it's genuinely like playing like Madden franchise mode or NHL franchise mode with these players. But as opposed to actually needing to field like a full team, you're fielding like ten guys, all of which you likely know the name of. Like yeah, and you, I live for that experience where you like find a prospect or some dude, and like you're like he's gonna be really good. And then you get him, and then he is really good, and you're like, I'm a genius. That being said, <laughs> we are recording this during Sunday Night Football, and I just want to check the score, because I do think I'm about to be 9-0 and in one of my fantasy leagues. Yeah, I am going to be 9-0 and in one of my fantasy wow. leagues. I'm up by over 100 points right now, and no one's left to go. No, I won. I'm going to be 9-0. Kyler Murray had 40 points today, 283 yards, four touchdowns. Ezekiel Elliott has not been good. I might trade him. If you're in my fantasy league and listening to this for some reason, I'll trade you Zeke. You just got to give me a good tight end in return, really. Uh, we'll talk about tight ends. Uh, I, I got I got nothing as an Eagles fan. I, I couldn't <laughs> couldn't tell you much. Uh, I mean, I used to have Ertz, but then I had to drop him because he uh, first got bad and then he got hurt. Yeah, I mean, if you want to, if we're going to kind of transition into the NFL, I can talk about the Eagles a little bit for a minute here. Mike just kind of Mike is yours. Kind of the woes of the season so far, you know. Everybody loves to dog on the NFC East, and there's... Oh, uh, we do. Oh, I mean, I, could, I couldn't. I mean, the Giants won a game today. <laughs> they beat the Washington football there's team. A... Daniel Jones didn't turn the ball over. Now in his well, career... Not for, not for lack of trouble. Did not turn the ball over. Yeah, he did fumble. It's that doesn't matter. He did not turn it the ball matter, over. <laughs> in his career, he is now 4-0 against Washington. And one, one win against 1-16 against yeah. everybody else. Um... Boy, good thing he plays Washington every week. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot of reasons to dog on the NFC East, but you kind of got to break it down and look at it team by team. Uh, the Eagles are a team that are they're a team that was trying to hang on to their championship window and trying to keep it open a little bit and kind of resisted a rebuild or a retool a little bit. 
it is the aptest thing in the world that they're showing a Malcolm Jenkins uh, Saints graphic right now on Monday Night Football. Sunday. Or Sunday Night Football. The day of the week is irrelevant. <laughs> and in a post-COVID era, you could tell me it is any day of any week, and I would believe you. Um, Agreed. But the Eagles are a team that, A, are completely ravaged by injuries to every skill position in the entire offensive line. Um, on top of the fact that they're just old and not young enough. Uh, the Cowboys are a team that is ravaged by injuries to the quarterback and offensive line. The Giants are terrible. Um, and they're irrelevant. And the Washington football team is... Uh, well, I'm not certain what they're doing or what's wrong with them. The Giants don't have any direction, but we know they're trying to rebuild. The Washington football team, I genuinely don't understand what's going on with them. But, uh, I don't either. <laughs> well... Uh, Dan Snyder, uh, I think, is really just the greater point you could make for that. But it's uh, it's certainly interesting. You look at a lot of these guys, at least on the Eagles, a lot of these mainstays are kind of leaving. Malcolm Jenkins leaves. Zach Ertz's time is numbered. Uh, Jason Peters, please God, retire. <laughs> Stop playing on my football team for the love of all, period. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, these guys are a million years old. We just got to... Eagles gotta cut the dead weight, move on from the old guys from the from the era of yesteryear, and we gotta move on, get younger. There's tons of problems with with Wentz and blah and blah and blah, but um, when it comes to general team composition as opposed to like a single player, uh, you just gotta you gotta stop getting older. You just can't. Yeah. It's the Eagles kind of became that team I made fun of in hockey where they just keep bringing in old vets. And we're like, yeah, if we bring in 14 30-year-old guys that have all been in the league for forever, uh, we'll, we'll win eventually. They've had enough playoff experience between them. And then wonder why all of these dudes that are well over the hill can't carry a team to the playoffs. Like, You can't keep looking at every player on your team like they're still in their prime. And I think that's a big issue. A lot of teams in every league need to overcome. Eagles are one of them. Sixers are another. Uh, yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree. The Giants have a lot of issues that we won't get to yet. Evan Ingram, if I see you drop another pass that even I could catch, we're going to have, like, some personal beef. But could you have gotten that open? How many passes are that? Like, I mean... <laughs> it, was, it was a joke that you can't could, catch. You, could, you could probably catch the open ball, but are you getting open there, is that exact? You got the, do you got the wheels to bust open on... Evan Ingram? You and I both know I do not. <laughs> anyway. Evan Ingram wheels you might have. So we're running out of time here. I want to get to our final segment, which is the only recurring segment we have as of now. If you have ideas for a segment, text me. I don't know. Anyway, it's called the No More Jobs of the Week. We each will pick one person or a group that we think did not do their job this week, even though they had the job and they were assigned it. And based on history, probably should have done a pretty good job, uh, but did not. So we're going to do a random number generator to decide who goes first. Con, you're going to be number one because that's where uh -huh. you're sitting. I'm going to be number two. Ben, you're going to be number three. Here we go. It is one, so Colin, you go first, right. then I'll go, and then you'll go. So, okay. so my no more jobs of the week is going to be Clifford the Big Red Dog's legal team. Um, <laughs> like Cli Sean Clifford? No, Clifford the Big Red Dog. Oh, okay. uh, his legal, the, the animal's dog. Because yeah, okay. uh, he's real, yeah, obviously. Sure. Um, he's so yeah. big because he was loved so much that he grew so big. Uh, that why? makes me feel bad that my dog isn't growing. Yeah, why on earth are you not suing this Clifford guy? He went out there and he looked like eggs. He, he looked like rotten, stinky eggs on that football field. 
Every now and then he would run for a couple of yards, but I remember at one point he was like eight for 20-something. He <laughs> he was atrocious. Clifford the Big Red Dog, your name is getting besmirched by Penn State football out there. You, There's got to be a lawsuit, slander, libel, level something, because God is that quarterback play awful out of Penn State right now. That That's a good one. Um, <laughs> it's funny because the adults listening to this will understand who Clifford the Big Red Dog is because Clifford is something that I think when we were like little kids is what we would read or listen mm. to. But also our parents know it because they're the ones who read it or showed it to us. As to where a different show like... I don't know. What's something that like we would know that our parents would Cyber Chase. Cyber Chase, our parents still might know, though. Maybe. Maybe. But like, yeah, something like that. Or like. You're right. It was a well-crafted joke, and I deserve all of the accolades. <laughs> it was. It was. <laughs> Thank you for actively stroking my ego in a public forum, Zachary. Thank you. You're welcome, my guy. <laughs> oh, we're going to continue. My No More Jobs of the Week is the security staff at Notre Dame Stadium in <laughs> South Bend, Indiana. Last night, Notre Dame upset Clemson in overtime. Not really an upset, both two of the top teams in the country. But number four took down number one. Then, in the middle of a global pandemic, every student fan and probably some others in the stadium stormed the field, rushed the field, joining in on the Notre Dame players, also surrounding the Clemson players, including known recently (laughs) COVID-positive quarterback Trevor Lawrence, who was there for who knows why. And they, the security staff, did not stop them from rushing the field. Now, Colin, you and I talked about this last night, and I said, well, I mean, it was going to happen anyway. But then you realize, I I do agree with you, that the fan, the security staff, could have easily said, no, if you rush the field, you will get in trouble. And yeah, you could say so many people did it, they couldn't stop it. But come on, there's got to be common sense there. Notre Dame was one of the first schools to reverse their reopening decision. I don't know where all these students came from, probably like the off-campus bunch, but they were at the game. It looked like they were spaced out in the stands at first. But then after that, it was just, I mean, listen, there's people who go out in public areas this week and they, they celebrate, they protest, whatever they do, but that's in public areas. This is a private stadium where absolutely these fans should have been stopped. My question is, what, what, how do you propose that the stadium security guards armed with flashlights and polo shirts are supposed to stop them? Because I would say, do you play more like the individual students who are like 18 to 22 years old in a very exciting moment responding emotionally? Or do you blame like the school administration who should know better? Uh, I'll blame the stadium. I'll blame the stadium staff in general. Because back in like the 80s, if you remember, when your team won the World Series, if it was at home, the fans would rush the storm the field majors levels like all the time. But then they stopped that because during the games, they would say, you will get in trouble if you storm the field. You cannot do this. You will get in trouble. And they would say it like on the video board and over the PA. They could have done that last night. They saw the way the game was going. Obviously, you don't want to jinx it on the one hand, but you could say like after the first overtime or before overtime, fans, a reminder, you know, storming the field is strictly prohibited. It's something as simple they as that. They did that and they're still going anyway. There are a lot of smart people I mean, go to Notre Dame. <laughs> they, I mean, listen, they're better I than that. I'm but yeah, it's just, we're in a pandemic. Do a better job, and I hope they do it next time. But as of today, no more jobs for, for you, stadium staff. Yeah, I mean, I know it's a punt to kind of blame everybody in that situation. But, um, you know, we were talking last night, and I don't want to get too much into global politics, but you look at, like, cities like D.C. and Philly and everybody, and you have all these people in the streets. And Zach had brought up the good point last night. is like, why do you blame Notre Dame students more so than you blame these people? At the very least, my thing is somebody's got to be at fault at Notre Dame Stadium because... Ultimately, these people, irresponsible as I may think they are, understanding the reason they're out there, mind you, but um, they're doing it in public streets and public forums, ultimately in a place where you can't really police who is and isn't uh, being in these big groups of people that are not COVID safe. 
when you're in the stadium, uh, in COVID times, you either got to not let people in the stadiums or you got to prevent people from running on the field where Trevor Lawrence was coughing on everybody on the sideline for no reason. Uh, so, you know, somebody at Notre Dame is at fault. At least somebody. I don't necessarily blame all of the fans. Maybe you're irresponsible. I can't say I wouldn't have charged the field in a similar situation. Um, but uh, somebody in Notre Dame is at fault. Yeah. So, definitely. Ben, who's your no more jobs? Um, so, this is a weird one because it's, it's a no more jobs for one specific part of his job. I'm going boxing again just because this is where the most people mess up in stuff that I'm paying attention to. Uh, I was watching last night. There was yet another lightweight title fight between WBC regular champion Devin Haney, who was three days older than I am, and Yuri Orcas Gamboa, who was 38 years old. And during the fight, they were talking about... So Devin Haney, he is 21 years old, and he is a world champion. And he's not, like, a super exciting fighter, but he's, he's promotable. He's young. He's fairly good-looking. He seems like he can sort of handle himself with the press and stuff. You described me. Yeah. He's, he's a good fighter. And they were talking about... Like, they were talking about things, and they were talking about this guy, Ryan Garcia, who I'm on the record disliking just because he's such a social media guy and he hangs out with Logan and Jake Paul. Um, but they were talking about something about, yeah, Devin Haney has to make it, like, worth his while to get a fight with Ryan Garcia. And it was infuriating to me that a guy who... And I talked last time about how there's, there's too many belts floating out there. But a guy who has a belt, a guy who has gone out and gotten a belt... He is, I believe, 21 or 22 and 0 now. He is... Un- and this guy, who hasn't won anything, he has his first his first title fight, which is for a vacant belt, is on December 5th. And he, before that, was saying that Devin Haney has to make it worth my while to fight him. And so, just like, how are you not promoting him better? The man is, like, a ch- he's 21 years old, and he's a world champion. And he's not, like... He's not knocking everybody out, but like having watched him, he's slick. He is he is entertaining to watch if you're willing to sort of sit there and watch boxing that isn't just two people sort of swinging haymakers at each other with his heads down, their heads down. Like he's fun to watch. And the fact that he's like promoted so poorly that there are non-champions who are just like, "Eh, I don't feel like taking a title shot against him." Like I'm willing to pass up this title shot because I think he's boring or something. So I think, I, 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 I don't know a, a lot about Devin Haney personally. And Eddie Hearn, I think overall is an incredible promoter. Like he's, he's really, really good. He's probably, him and Bob Arum are like the two best known and probably best promoters going. Um, but just like, it was really, it was, I was, I didn't think I had any emotional attachment to Devin Haney but I was getting weirdly indignant on his behalf, like sitting watching on my computer, just being like, what do you mean you don't want to fight him? Sounds like you're scared. I I think, I mean, I think that's possible, um, but really just, it was, it's this bizarre thing of sort of, it's like the thing that people talk about of like, it's the people who choose who's famous or whatever. Like, yes, boxing skill obviously plays a huge part in it, but just like he's incredibly good and young and a world champion, and he's getting marketed way less than this dude Ryan Garcia, who looks like a teen heartthrob, 
and like has like millions and millions of followers on Instagram. And I'm partially at fault because I follow him on Instagram, but it's a hate follow because every time I'm scrolling through, it's like cute puppy, cute puppy, cute puppy, Ryan Garcia doing speed bad work, and now I'm angry. That ends grandfather's boxing rant of the week. Let it be said that thank God Antonio Brown cursed the Bucks. They are getting shh. They have not scored yet against the Saints. So good self sense there. Any final <laughs> thoughts this week, guys? Uh, I got nothing. I, I, didn't, we, I didn't even have a first thought. Yeah, we kind of hit all. We hit yeah. all the bases, really. E- Eagles on a bye. Flyers aren't playing. Phillies are disappointing. That's all I got for you. All right, like I said, this is our last episode all together in Studio 1330. But we'll keep coming at you every week. Hope you listen next time.